Hello and welcome to You Get What You Give, a weekly podcast that dives deep into the journey and process of transformation at the levels of mind, body, and spirit. My name is Chelsea Eden Dubow, and I'm an intuitive channel and spiritual teacher who is blessed to be able to help human beings overcome life's biggest obstacle to transformation themselves. In today's episode, we're going to talk about an aspect of change and transformation that's held me personally in its grips for significant periods of time. It's what, in addition to limiting beliefs and habits and lack of self-love, contributes to the never-ending cycle of wanting to change but feeling unable to. You want to stop drinking, start exercising, or whatever it is, and while you know both are for your highest good, you still seem unable to actually implement change. Well, there's a whole being of your own making that's standing on your magic carpet not letting you fly, and that's your ego. After the lesson, we'll end with a guided meditation, so if you're driving or otherwise unable to join, be sure to come back. Let's talk about the ego, what it is and what it's not, according to the information that's been made available to me. As I have come to understand it, the ego is the false self. The identity that we've all stitched together over time. It's probably easiest to think of it as a quilt, with each patch representing something that has occurred to you in your past, something that triggered a limiting belief about yourself. At the academy and through the blessed coaching model, there's a process students go through called life cycling, where we examine your ego quilt patch by patch. Each patch is tied to a particular event that triggered a particular limiting belief or series of beliefs that are often linked to other patches and events and vice versa, all making up the complex thing that is your particular ego quilt. With life cycling, each energy center of your body, or chakra, is linked to one of the four pillars of source, love, creation, joy, and abundance. Each center and aspect of the pillars is also associated with an age range. For example, the root energy center or root chakra, which is associated with abundance, is your life cycle from 0 to 7 years. Let's say something happened to you in that first life cycle. That event is going to trigger behaviors and limiting beliefs that will show up in ways that correspond negatively to the corresponding energies of both the energy center and associated pillar. I know this sounds convoluted, so for more information about it and to see a graphic representation of what I mean, please visit the Eden's Gate homepage and get your free 12-step guide to transformation. The graphic's in there. It's critical to examine your habits and limiting beliefs in order to determine where they originated in your life cycles because this will reveal what energies are working against you, which by default reveals how we go about undoing them. And that's by working with the energetic opposites. As above, so below. For most of us, there are big T and little t trauma events which occur throughout our life cycles and these are what trigger new patches in the quilt, new beliefs which become part of our false self, the identity forged over time and tribulation. It's not to say that the events which occurred in your life were false or not impactful or valid or true, but what the events may have taught you are untrue. Specifically, the beliefs they triggered which are limiting, the perceptions they triggered which are wrong. The results of both, well, they can be dire. The ego, the false self, is a quilt made of misperceptions. Chief among them, the perception of your not-enoughness. This quilt cannot keep you warm, and to look upon the patches does not bring positive memories. Your ego is a trauma quilt, a self-hating quilt, a misperception quilt, an unhappiness quilt, and yet you cling to it believing that a better blanket does not exist, that this is all you deserve. 
The ego lies, manipulates, cajoles, imitates, diminishes, tortures, maims, and kills, all in an effort to keep its host, you, feeding it, needing it, clashing with other egos, engaged in conflict, separated from all life and love, hating yourself, and making yourself small. Why? Because it was made by fear, your fear. And fear cannot be anything else but what it is. You made it, fashioned your quilt with it, every time something happened to you which threatened your being. And what are you? You are love. Love is both what made you and that of which you are made. But this third dimension's a real trip, isn't it? The veil of forgetting drops as we exit the birth canal and then we each make our quilt, only then have to undo them over time and over the rest of our human lives. It's a worthy effort, and we do it for a reason called karma. The ego is a part of this experience, of the human condition. But it's not who you truly are, not even close. But the ego is aware of your true self, and it's afraid of it. The ego is afraid of oblivion, which explains our fear of death. And the ego wants to exist. It wants to live forever in its abyss of endless wanting and grasping and clinging of hatred and fear and perfectionism and conflict. The ego is the reason you find yourself incapable of sustained transformation. So how does the ego prevent change and transformation? Well, the ego doesn't just live in the mind. That amazing tool you've been given with which to create and find solutions and manifest in this world, the ego also lives in the body. Limiting beliefs, the ego's tools to keep you in a box, are the physical imprint of traumatic events, the sensations of which return in an instant when we are confronted or triggered by something that takes us back to that event in the life cycle, even if we're not conscious of what the event actually was. Limiting beliefs are nurtured by the mind so that when the body experiences a physical flashback, it triggers a reaction in the mind that either repels or attracts something. In the case of a person who is addicted to alcohol, for example, when somebody offers them a drink or if they pass by a liquor store, there will be a physical reaction to the stimulus, which may not even be noticed unless the person is paying attention, which will trigger a reaction in the mind. What is the limiting belief of the ego in this case? Well, that depends on what events in that person's past triggered the behavior in the first place. It might be a series of events and a series of linked behaviors and feelings. It all depends on the person. The body consciousness, also known as the subconscious, is where your operating system resides. If the mind is a tool, then the body is the workbench upon which all things are made. It's why trying to change anything about yourself using only your mind is ineffective. The mind and human intellect, they're astounding, no question. But to accept that it's all there is when it comes to healing especially is as helpful as saying modern medicine should be thrown out in favor of alternative medicine. Hearts and minds is a common saying, and what it refers to is the unification of these two powerful systems to advance a cause. The unification of heart and mind, or the crown chakra or energy center, opens up the heaven's gate portal through which spiritual transformation may occur. But as above, so below. And as such, the unification of heart and root opens up Eden's gate portal, that which brings forth the spiritual aspect to the physical in their creation of heaven or paradise on earth. It's also the namesake of this academy. Why do I bring this up? I do so to illustrate that we live in a dualistic reality, a paradox. To change, you must address both the heart and the mind. The heart and root, both representing the body in this case, addresses the fact that the body holds all the trump cards when it comes to change. The codes in the body therefore have to be rewritten in harmony with that of the mind 
to unify a person's efforts to transform. It is one of the most difficult journeys that a human being may take, but it is also the worthiest. When we look at change through the lens of the hero's journey, it's wise to remember that you are both your own hero and also the villain. The villain, of course, being that of your ego. So how can we bypass the ego when trying to change? Essentially, this is an exercise in trying to fool yourself, to pull the wool over your own eyes. It's to recognize that there are three parts to your mind, your true self, your false self, and the witness. Being aware of this is the prerequisite to beating the ego at its own game. Remember, the ego is a quilt made of sadness, of hate, of all the parts of you that live in the darkness. But isn't that also a part of you? Well, yes, it is. That's the paradox. How you get around this is by learning to first, now, this is very important, love all of those unlovable parts of yourself. True love of self is learning to first love the false self, the one that you began constructing as a child when confronted with the unreal realities of this very tricky dimension. So who started building the ego if first, all there was was your true self? That's a great question and an example of the paradox principle at work. The ego is predestined and based on your soul's karma, which means it's supposed to be as much a part of yourself as anything else. This is why learning to love the ego is so important. It's the first most difficult hurdle to jump, and if you're able to do it, you're already on your way to getting to the place beyond even karma, and yes, such a place exists. For most of us, however, we grapple with our ego our whole lives, and if we're lucky, we'll glimpse the true self from time to time. When that happens, it's as if someone turned on the light after being in a dark room for days. It's blinding, it hurts. It's why a spiritual awakening can be so painful. So how do you start to love the ego? It's easier than you think. Self-knowledge begets self-love, and self-love begets self-knowledge. The more you learn about how this works in the third dimension, the more you start to see how this game is played. The more you understand how everything transpires exactly as it should under the universal laws that we are all working within. Laws such as karma and attraction and scarcity and conflict. When you see the image reflected in the dark mirror for what it truly is, a reflection meant to test you, to get you to react, you realize that the reason for all of this conflict and these obstacles and pain isn't just to cause needless suffering. It's to get you to do something. Pain so often comes when we resist change, which is as intrinsic to our being as love, which is something else we resist a lot. Obstacles are detours, but resistance is death, stagnation. It's where the ego thrives. Gotcha, it says. See you in the next lifetime to see if you'll fall down the same manhole because you didn't want to take another route. The ego is something you constructed to protect you from the pain of your misperception that you're not lovable based on the things that have happened to you over time or things that you've done. But your armor is your prison. The castle that you've walled yourself up in, it's become inescapable. You become both the fearsome monster and also he or she who needs saving. The ego is yourself, and what yourself needs more than anything else is forgiveness. Forget about needing love. Remember that you are love. It's both what made you and that of which you're made. Forgive the ego for doing exactly what it was intended to do, which is diminish you so that you might ultimately overcome it and move on into a more advanced spiritual realm. This is what waking up is really about. 
It's about understanding that all those bad things that happen actually do happen for a reason, even if it's one of the hardest things for a human heart to accept. It's about understanding that forgiving yourself for all of it is to forgive others who hurt you, which releases you from that prison. Forgiveness has nothing really at all to do with others. It's one of God's greatest gifts, our get-out-of-jail-free card, the golden scissors to cut the rope, one of the master keys. Self-knowledge begets self-love, begets forgiveness of self and others. And when we remember that we are all aspects of each other, when we live by the unity principle that all are one, then we realize that true self-love is to love others as yourself, truly. The evidence of this can be seen, as always, in the collective. Who or what do you think is to blame for all of the tragic and condemnable things that happen in this world? It's the collective ego at work. Because the reality is, we are all connected. We are all one. And we are all going to the same place. How the ego works at the micro is how it works at the macro. When you realize that your ego quilt was never supposed to be the only thing to keep you warm, you'll reach for the down comforter that is your true self and wrap yourself up in them like a little baby, grateful for both blankies and the knowledge that both were made to support you, just in different ways. One thing I don't want to leave out is the witness. I mentioned it briefly already as being a third aspect of the mind, but the witness is a powerful tool at any time, but particularly when you're on a transformation journey and struggling with the ego. Think of the witness as an impartial observer. It doesn't judge, doesn't cause a fuss, no drama, no heat. It simply exists. It's just there, always. So what's its function? Well, it's meant to create space in the moment, to blow the whistle on a heated argument, to call a time out. It doesn't want to sway your opinion in any direction. No, its sole goal is to just get you to stop, breathe, question. If you're lucky or advanced, you may even embody the witness in particular cases, which is quite a trip. There you are, observing the two aspects of your own mind, the ego and the true self, treated to a rare bird's eye view of the human condition at work. If you can get there, and it's always possible to get there through practices like mindfulness and meditation, it will actually change you just by the fact that you have now moved from participant to observer. Because what do they say about things that are observed? That they change. Cool, isn't it? But back to the witness. Let's say you're on the verge of breaking a promise to yourself. You find yourself in a triggering situation and your ego has already given you permission to do the thing that you don't want to do anymore. It's the devil on your shoulder. The devil being the religious embodiment of the ego, by the way, but that's a story for another day. If you're unaware of this dynamic interplay, you might just shrug your shoulders and say, fine, I'll start tomorrow, or it's just one, or I'm a failure anyway, so I might as well. If the hole in your heart is big enough, no number of promises made to yourself or others will work. On the other hand, if you're aware of what's going on, but still find yourself losing against the ego, which is a very frustrating and disempowering experience, this is where the witness can step in to help you out. If you find yourself in a tricky situation and you feel like you're on the verge of making a choice that your true self, the self that is rooted in love, doesn't want, stop, breathe, and question. Bring in the witness. Excuse yourself for the briefest of moments. Physically remove yourself from the place that you are standing and put yourself somewhere else. Ram Dass talked about the concept of standing in a different place in the context of perspective and here, a physical change of placement of your body 
which is a container for ego, will help provide both a metaphoric and literal change of perspective. It will give you the opportunity to observe from above, say, ah, this is a test. Except, remember, there's no failing, just another chance to change, to move in a different direction, a chance to say, gotcha, to your ego, and beat it at its own game. Now, I hope you'll join me for a guided meditation where we'll practice setting the ego aside to facilitate transformative change in this life. Find a comfortable position, either sitting or lying down, and take a moment to center yourself. Close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing so. Let's begin. Start by taking a few deep breaths Inhaling slowly and exhaling fully. Feel the breath as it flows in and out, grounding you in the present moment. As you breathe, release any tension or distractions, allowing yourself to be fully present for this transformative journey. Bring your attention to the center of your being, where your authentic self resides. Visualize a radiant light at your core, representing your true essence. Feel the warmth and energy of this light, a source of pure authenticity and wisdom. As you connect with this inner light, Acknowledge that it is free from ego-driven desires and judgments. This is the part of you that seeks genuine growth and transformation. Now, let's turn our attention to the ego, the part of the mind that often seeks validation, control, and recognition. Visualize the ego as a separate entity, distinct from your authentic self. It may appear as a cloud of energy or a symbolic representation. Observe the ego without judgment, recognizing its presence in your thoughts and emotions. Understand that while the ego is a natural aspect of the human experience, it can sometimes hinder personal growth by resisting change and holding on to familiar patterns. As you continue to breathe deeply, imagine yourself releasing the grip of the ego. Visualize the ego dissolving into the space around you like mist dissipating in the sunlight. Allow a sense of spaciousness to emerge within you as the ego's influence diminishes. In this moment, practice surrendering to the flow of life. Release the need for control and open yourself to the possibilities that arise when the ego is set aside. Transformation often requires vulnerability. Picture yourself standing in a field of soft, golden light, symbolizing openness and receptivity. 
As you stand in this vulnerable space, feel a gentle breeze carrying away any remnants of the ego. Acknowledge that vulnerability is not a weakness, but a source of strength. It is through vulnerability that authentic transformation can occur. With the ego set aside, turn your focus to the intentions you have for transformative change in your life. Envision these intentions as seeds planted in the fertile soil of your being. Each intention carries the energy of authenticity, growth, and positive change. See these seeds taking root and growing into vibrant, flourishing aspects of your life. Embrace the potential for transformation with a heart full of gratitude and openness. As we conclude this meditation, express gratitude for the willingness to set the ego aside and invite transformative change. Know that this practice is a journey and each step you take contributes to your personal evolution. Gently bring your awareness back to the present moment. Wiggle your fingers and toes, becoming aware of your physical body. When you're ready, open your eyes. Carry the essence of this meditation with you as you navigate your day, remembering that by setting the ego aside, you create space for authentic transformation and a life aligned with your true self. Thank you for joining in this guided meditation. Thank you for joining me on You Get What You Give. For more information about Edensgate Spiritual Academy, please visit the website at edensgate.ca. Until next time, and remember, you are loved beyond measure.